announcements, the next steps class after service, give me about, we'll meet in the chapel, but give me about 10 minutes to get back there. That'll be enough time for me to greet everyone out in the lobby. Everybody say, pastor needs to greet people. Uh, also, we have a special video to show you, so take a look at this. just a disturbing childhood, uh, sexual abuse, alcoholism, control. I felt like that I had no one to turn to at a point in my life. Things were very bad. I was not a happy person. I was very, very angry. Mm -hmm. And it, it really had taken my freedom. Mm -hmm. I had become a virtual slave. I was homeless. I couldn't hold a job. I couldn't support myself. Done the whole bit from jails, sleeping under bridges, to just having absolutely nothing with nowhere to go. Welcome to the Overcomers Program, a recovery plan that works. If you are struggling with a life-controlling addiction, shame, or fear from past hurts, these Christ-centered 12 steps will give you the tools to break free. I was 17, I was caught in cross-dressing and bisexuality, just confused, bound, not knowing who I was, what I was. And this went on until the age of 32. We're at 32, God started to move in my life, and by just God's providence, I walked into an overcomer's group. And for the first time in my life, I was able to get real. Before overcomers, I, I still allowed um, uh, people with stronger personalities to con help control my decisions to make my decisions for me. And Overcomers has shown me how I can stand strong with faith in God and know that I am making the right decision. I'm sitting here today, 18 years later, still free, clothed and in my right mind. I'm a Bible college graduate. I've got four beautiful boys, a lovely wife. I'm blessed among men. And it's all because of a group overcomers. He brought me from a destitute life with nowhere to go to a life of hope. I, I feel peace. I feel freedom. I work in an environment, uh, my job, uh, work at a detox center, where I'm able to share each day with people who are at that point in their life that there is hope. Amen. So let me encourage you to become a part of Overcomers in uh, training. That's going to start July the 14th on Sunday after service from noon till 4. And then again on the 21st, July the 21st and July the 14th at, from noon till 4. We're excited about kicking this program off. Ray is going to uh, be leading it. And uh, he's kicked off several programs in uh, Houston, Louisiana, even had one going down in Anna. Here's the thing. This is kind of where I'm at. I've taken a look at the program. This is actually a program that we took to Russia years ago. The reason I like this so much is it's all based on Christ. AA used to be based on Christ. The guy that started AA made no bones about some higher power. He told you who that higher power was. We need to quit trying to be politically correct and get people saved. Amen. I, I, I am so, I, I always told Deb, or, you know, I always tell people I can't tap dance unless I get a pair of tap shoes. And then Debbie won't let me dance because it messes up her floor. <laughs> We're starting a new series this week. Uh, it's called Learning to Discern. Say that with me, Learning to Discern. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about learning to discern the voice of God and the will of God in our lives. Today's message is going to be titled, The Child in Our Midst. Would you say that with me? The Child in Our Midst. 
If you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. In the King James Version, it says that there was no open vision. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel, sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God, suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel? Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word because it's truth to us. God, we ask you, Lord, to let your word permeate our hearts, God, and come alive in us so that we can come alive in you. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Let me talk to you a little bit about Samuel's story. Samuel came to be by divine circumstances. His mother, Hannah, had no children. She was married to a man named Elkanah, who was a Levite, and he had two wives, and it appears maybe the reason that he married the second wife was for babies, because he loved Hannah, but she was barren. She could not produce. Paniah was giving her fits, which was Elkanah's second wife, was giving her fits, making fun of her, always picking at her, because I don't know whether or not you realize it, ladies, but back in that culture, a woman's worth was determined by her ability to bear children. How many of you are glad that you're not living under that culture today? Amen. And so Hannah goes to the Lord, but Hannah wanted a child. She wanted a baby. They would go to the tabernacle, which was considered like the house of God. Moses had a tent that was called the tent of the meeting, the tabernacle. But it appears that they had given it a, some type of a wooden structure and still the Holy of Holies was inside of that and no one was allowed to enter that place except once a year and that was the high priest. And that, my friend, is where the Ark of God was kept. So she goes down there and she's praying and the high priest at the time is Eli, and Eli sees her praying, but actually he thinks she's drunk because she's just, her lips are moving, but no words are coming out, and he approaches her, and he said, woman, why can't you keep your wine under control, you know, put it away from you, and he goes, she said, look, I'm not drunk, man, I'm, I'm, I'm praying sincerely before God, I'm, with all my heart, I'm asking God, and so Eli says, well, well in, in that case, then may God give you your request, and and God did. And she had made a promise to God before she ever conceived Samuel. She said, God, if you'll give me a child, I will give him back to you, and he will be yours all the days of his life. Now, I want you to think about this. Samuel would have been God's anyway by virtue of him being from the tribe of Levi. According to the law, he would have served in the tabernacle from the time he was 25 years old until the time he was 50 years old. But they would do that in rotation. So they would go like and serve for a month and that may be the, you know, that, that might be their only time for the entire year that they have to go, but they were on a rotation. But what Hannah did was Hannah took it further than that and said, no, I'm going to give him completely to you. Which means by the time Samuel is three or four years old. He's taken to the temple and he's left there. And he begins to learn about God. He begins to serve before God and he's being trained. Now let's take a look at where the priesthood was and what was going on. Because Eli is really old. He's almost blind and He's not really engaged anymore. His sons are running wild. They've caused the people that brought sacrifices to God to begin to despise the sacrifices they were bringing because of what they were doing. 
They would go in and when people were supposed to burn the fat off first because the fat belonged to God, and that's another message in itself, but the fat belonged to God, they would go and they would say, we're, we're not going to wait for you to burn the fat off. And they said, well, you can't have it until I burn the fat off. The fat belongs to God. And they said, you're either going to give it to us or we're going to take it by force. So it caused people not to even want to offer because of what they were doing. They almost turned the tabernacle into a brothel. The women that were there that were serving before God, they were sleeping around with. And it got to the point that God had sent a man to Eli and had told him, said, you, you don't correct your sons. You, you're, you're just letting them run wild and you tend to love your sons more than you love me. And so he gets a word of warning. And this came from, now watch this, it comes from a prophet outside of the priesthood. We're never given that man's name. So all of a sudden, God decides. Matter of fact, in King James Version, it says, before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle, that God begins to speak to Eli. I mean to Samuel. He had been given totally to God. Watch, watch where he's at. This is one thing I want you to get that sometimes we miss. He's in the tabernacle, and he's asleep near the ark of God. Amen. There's something about this boy that wants to be close to the presence of God. Do you understand when you knew everything there was to know about the ark of God, you tended to want to stay as far away from it as you could because you go in and you mess up and you're dead. They tied a rope around your ankle and bells to your robe so they could hear whether or not you were still alive in there. That was the presence of God. It was a holy place, and you, made, you, you go in and you do something wrong. You do something that you're not supposed to be doing, and you're gone. But Samuel, as a child, is near the ark of God. You see, if you want to hear God's voice... You've got to get close to God's presence. Amen. If you're looking to hear the voice of God, you've got to learn to discern God's spirit. Amen. You have to begin to place yourself where God's at and say, learn to submit yourself to God. Amen. Now, here's the deal with Samuel. Is I, I, I thought about this, and I, I thought... Even God warned Eli, they refused to change. So as God often did in Israel's history, he gives, Israel he gives Israel's future a course correction by sending a baby. Stay here with me for a second. A baby. A baby symbolizes something new and fresh, a new beginning. Think about what he did for Abraham. What did he do? He said, I'm going to send you, I'm giving you a promise, and I'm sending you a son. It was a new beginning for Abraham, not when Ishmael was born. Because God's saying, you're not going to tinker with my plan. You can try and do things your way, but in the end, it's God's way or the highway. And so he sends Isaac. And so he sends the promise. He begins a nation through Isaac. Rebekah had Jacob to build a nation. It's Jacob that has 12 sons that becomes known as the 12 tribes of Israel. Rachel had Joseph to preserve a nation. It's Joseph that gets sent into Egypt to preserve the life because of a famine that's coming. And so God sends a baby and begins a course correction. And Hannah had Samuel to rescue a nation. That fresh start, that new beginning. Maybe that's why in this nation, nearly 2,500 babies every day have their lives ended because Satan is trying to rob us of our hope. 
Do you, do you see the connection? I started looking at this, and God sends the arrival of a baby, and what's happening? What happened when Jesus came? What happened when Moses came? They tried to kill every baby they could. I'm telling you that there is revival coming, and God is sending it. There's new life that's happening. That's why you see this fight going on. There's new life. There's new birth. There's new hope. In Samuel, God was raising up hope for Israel. And while Samuel knew about God's word and loved God in his heart, he had not yet come to know the voice of God for himself. So he had to learn to discern. He's asleep, and God speaks. Samuel, how many of you have ever had God speak to you before in an audible voice? I had, I, I had God speak to me in an audible voice to wake me up. I'd fallen asleep and was getting ready to hit a utility pole, and God spoke to me in that truck and said, Rick, not only did I wake up, I stayed awake the rest of the way home. Because I looked beside me and nobody was sitting next to me, and what I heard was real. God speaks to Samuel, calls his name. Samuel jumps up. Samuel's not excited because he doesn't know what's going on. Samuel jumps up and runs over to Eli's room and says, yes, here I am. What what do you want? And Eli says, boy, go back to bed. I didn't call you. And so Samuel goes back to bed, and he's not in bed long. And here, Samuel, he jumps up and runs to Eli. I heard you. What what, what do you want? Here I am. I didn't call you, boy. Go back to bed. He goes back to bed. This happens three times. The third time he's, he hears his boy Samuel, and he jumps up and runs back to Eli. He said, now look, I know you called me. Here I am. Amen. And Eli figures out that God is trying to speak to Samuel. Amen. Because Eli, I believe, remembered the time that God spoke to him. And he looks at Samuel, and he said, son, he doesn't get them all shook up. He just looks at him, and he said, son, you go lay back down. And if you hear the voice again, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. He goes back, and he lays down again. And, man, I can't help it. I get excited here because he had spoke to Samuel three times. But this time God is so intent that he is going to bring hope that he does more than send his voice. The Bible said that he came and he stood. He he himself enters in a physical presence where in that boy's room and he calls out Samuel, Samuel. And this time Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And God began to unfold. Do you understand that God wants to speak to you? But you've got to get yourself in a place where you're close to God, where you're in relation with God, where you can discern the voice of God from the voice of the world and your own desires. How many, don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you ever thought you heard from God and what you really were hearing from was your own heart? It was what you wanted, not what God wanted. But you want it so bad that all of a sudden it's turned into the voice of God in your head. You have to learn how to discern. Because if you find yourself following after your own desires, it's going to lead you to a place you don't want to be. But if you learn to hear the voice of God, friend, it'll take you to places you never dreamed of ever being. So you've got to lend an ear. Now, there's a question that begs being asked here, and that question is this. How come God didn't speak to Eli or to his sons? Well, you know, obviously they're just backslidden away from God. 
I want to leave for your consideration that there's more to it than that. Because you don't have to be backslidden away from God to have trouble hearing God. How many of you have ever struggled to hear God? Raise your hand if you ever. My, my hands are up. When I needed answers and I needed direction and I'm, I was looking for God to speak to me, there were struggles in my life. And, and, and think about this. It always, those struggles seemed to happen right when God was getting ready to do something brand new. A new beginning was getting ready to take place. I was getting ready to quit my job and go on the field, and I couldn't hear from God. And I'm praying, God, speak to me, speak to me. Well, people spoke to me. I'd, I'd, I'd go, I wouldn't go around sinners. I mean, I wouldn't go around Christians. I'd go around sinners and ask them. I'd say, you know, I'm getting ready to quit my job and go on the field because I wanted somebody to tell me, no, you shouldn't do that. I wanted to hear, <laughs> I wanted to hear my heart's desire come out of their mouth. Because I was afraid. So I went, man, to one of the guys at work that was, I mean, this, he, he constantly, man, partied, come in stoned. I walked up to him and I thought, well, I'll, I'll get it out of his mouth. He never had anything good to say about anybody. I went up to him. I almost called his name. <laughs> I forgot we're live. <laughs> I went up to him and I said, hey, I'm thinking about quitting my job and going on the field full-time. He reared back and looked at me, and he said, well, I'll tell you what, Rick, God will take care of you. <laughs> I thought, are you kidding me, man? Did that just come out of your mouth? You know, sometimes God speaks to us, and we act like that wasn't God. Well, that couldn't have been God. That man, he, he ain't even saved. That couldn't have been God. Look, God spoke through a rooster to Peter one time. He can, a donkey to Balaam, so he can, he can, do it right so I'm still and I will never forget and I, I I said God look sometimes maybe I'm just too hard-headed to hear you when I'm awake so I'm asking you to speak to me and give me a dream don't ever pray that unless you want an answer because the night I prayed it was the night he sent me a dream and God had spoke to me through dreams before and I dreamed, and in the dream, I'll just give it the Reader's Digest version. I was in the doctor's office. My family was there. They were talking about me, but no one was talking to me. Doctor stepped out, and he goes over, and he engages the family, and they're all talking. And I'm thinking, well, hey, I'd like to be in on this. And I walked over, and I said, what's going on? And the doctor looked at me, and he told me, you've got, and he said something. I don't remember what it was he said that I had. And I said, well, what are you saying? He said, well, let me show you. And all the lights went out, and they started the slide projector, and I watched myself go from a man to a beast. And when that happened, I looked up and I said, I should have been evangelizing. And the doctor looked at me and said, what would you say? I said, get my paperwork ready. I'm getting, with the time I've got left, I'm going to quit my job. I need to turn my paperwork in, and I'm going to spend the rest of the time I have evangelizing. He walked over, lifted up my eye, looked inside him, and he said, you know what? There's nothing wrong with you after all, and I woke up. It still took me a year from the time I had that dream to quit my job, but now there was no longer any question about what God's will was for my life. You have to learn to discern. I wasn't going, I knew what God was telling me. God was telling me that if I don't follow after what he's telling me to do, I'm going to, I'm going to become like a beast. I'll, I'll, I'll lose out with God. I'll, I'll revert backward. I, because the Bible said that we are as natural brute beasts. And I didn't want that to happen. Here, Eli and his sons, especially his sons, have reverted back. There's something that has to happen for you to hear the voice of God, and that answer is found in the 18th chapter of Matthew. Let me read for you Matthew 18, 1 through 3. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, and this is what they, they're asking him. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They wanted to know the pecking order. Who, who's, who's great? Who's greater? I hang out with you more than Thomas over there. He's a doubter. 
Isn't it odd that much hasn't changed in all, those year, all these years? That we still have pecking orders. And... So what Jesus does is he gives us a time-tested parable. And then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, Assuredly, I say unto you, unless you're converted and become as little children, you will no, by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What's he saying? He's saying, if you want to hear from me, if you want to discern my voice and my will in your life, then you're going to have to find the heart of a child. Everybody do this. I want you to say this with me. There's a child in my midst. There's a child that lives in your heart. There's a child that longs to respond and longs to be free. But we suppress it. There's a difference between being childish and being childlike. And so he talks about when it comes to anger to be childlike. But when it comes to understand, when it comes to pettiness, that's childish. And so the reason that Eli doesn't hear from God, the reason that his sons do not hear from God, is because they lost the child that was in their midst. So God brings one of his own <laughs> and puts that child in their midst. Eli knows that God is trying to speak to Samuel. The next morning, he grabbed Samuel and he said, boy, you better tell me every word God spoke to you or, or I'm going to pray that it all happens to you. <laughs> and so... Samuel unloads everything and tells him everything that God told him. And it wasn't easy to hear. God told me that he's going to strike you and your sons down and he's going to replace you and, and that he's going to raise up. And, and Eli hears it and he knows that he's lost something. You don't have to lose the child that's in your midst. You don't have to lose the child that's in your heart. You need to let that child live. You need to let that child grow. Why does God want a child in there? Because a child's humble. A child, I'll never forget hearing about a meeting where, and if I remember this right, the story was told that it was another country. And, and a, 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 a great multitude of people had gathered together, and they were, they, they were there, and all of a sudden, God got on a child. I think they said it was like a nine-year-old boy. And that nine-year-old boy rose up and he began to preach under the anointing of God. And he began to prophesy and lay hands on people. And they said that when the anointing lifted off of him, he looked around and he saw everybody. And he ducked his head and he ran back and he sat down, hunkered down. Why? Because he realized this isn't about me. This is all about him. This isn't something for me to glorify. In. This is something to glorify God in. There is a child in our midst. A child is humble and a child trusts. A child believes. When Jonathan was, I think, two or three years old, he was he he had fever and he was sick and he looked at he was two and he looked at his mom and he said, Mom, he said, call Dad to pray for me. Call Dad. Well, I was working. But the phone rang and they said, hey, your wife's on the phone. She needs to talk to you. And I, I go, you know, and I know it was, she's not going to call me at work unless this is important. So I go to the phone and she said, look, Jonathan is sick. He's running fever. He's been laying around all day. He said, but he, he asked me to call you so you could pray for him. And I said, well, put him on the phone. He got on the phone. And I said, son, are you there? He never said anything. Debbie said his head just went like this. <laughs> and I said, son, I said, daddy's getting ready to pray for you. And God's going to heal you. Do you believe that? And when I got done praying for him, 
And I hung up. Debbie said it wasn't 10 minutes, and that boy jumped up and was running all around the house and carrying on. Fever was gone. It wasn't about my faith. It was about his faith. He just believed. A child trusts, and a child believes, and a child still knows how to enjoy the journey. How many of us have ever slipped into a spirit of complaint, a spirit of, well, I'm here. And we lose the excitement that we used to have. You remember what vacation was like? How many of you remember what vacation was? Remember when you were on that car ride that seemed like it was forever? We lived up around Chicago. We would come down here. I'm sure our dad got tired of us saying, how much further is it? Are we there yet? And so we developed, but kids, you, you, they get bored, and so they have a way of learning to entertain themselves and enjoy the journey. So that's what we did. I see something that's, or no, I'm sorry, I spy. Anybody in the house ever done that one? And so then you spend, you know, 30 minutes, the next 30 minutes trying to figure out what they spy. And it might be the shoelace on their shoe. And then when that one got old, there was the alphabet game. How many of you remember the alphabet game? You looked out of the window and you had to find a letter that began with A. Then it was B. Then it was C. And we, man, we, then X showed up. Does nobody in this country play a xylophone anymore? So when X showed up, we would look at license plates. Surely there's got to be a plate around here that starts with X. And it was, and, and, and it just, we enjoyed the journey. We, we, because if you don't enjoy the journey, you make the journey miserable, not just for you, but everybody else around you. They're on my side of the car. Her coat is touching my coat. Make her stop. I'm fixing to stop. Wasn't it amazing how long your daddy's arm was? I'm going to make contact here in a second. When I, <laughs> Jonathan was talking the other day. I don't know what happened. He did. Oh, I remember. Well, I'm not going to say what he did. <laughs> but he, he, he reminded me of what I did. He said, man, he said, all of a sudden those brakes locked up. I jumped out of the car, grabbed him out of the back seat, <laughs> put him back in the car. And Debbie was in shock. What happened? What'd he do? What'd he do? He didn't even want to tell what he did. Huh? No, he didn't say a bad word. He waved at somebody the wrong way. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Mama looked at him. What? What? She's ready to get out and beat him. No, not beat him. Correct him. <laughs> You know what saved him? You know what saved him from mama? He said, I didn't know what it means. He lied. <laughs> but I couldn't prove it. <laughs> you raise that hand and you're gone. <laughs> You have to learn how to enjoy the journey. And sometimes we lose that. How many of you remember when you first got saved? Anybody remember when you first got saved? You know what I was like when I first got saved? <laughs> if you think I'm wild now, <laughs> you should have seen me then. I got saved, Amen. bouncing around. Somebody put it. I saw who was posted Tony the Tiger on Facebook the other day. I saw that. Somebody put Tony the Tiger up and said, made me think of Pastor Rick. 
Honest to goodness, man, they, I, I was in the church service and they said, I, I, they, they were testifying. I didn't know what testifying was. And somebody asked me to testify. I stand up and they said, what do you, how do you feel? I said, man, I feel like Tony the Tiger. I feel great. Everybody in that church started laughing. I didn't care. I wasn't, I wasn't talking about them. I was talking about him and what he did for me. And I did feel great. You know, if we would stay like a child instead of becoming, well, praise the Lord. I'd like to talk to you about all the things that God has done for me. Oh, I'm really excited to hear it. First of all, number one, we have 26 points today. Number one, I'll only be spending... 10 minutes on each point. So you'll have to write fast. No, I need to find the back door is what I need to do. Joy. There's something about a kid. That's what Debbie always talks about me in Christmas. Because Christmas brings out the kid in me. I still build snow villages. I'll still get outside with the grandkids and make a snowman, have a snowball fight, make snow angels. We were on vacation, what was it, two years ago? On vacation in Colorado, and it snowed, man. It's the end of May, and there is snow all over the place. Debbie and I are full-grown adults. Come here. We have ministry together. We are children of God. <laughs> and we pulled off on the side of the road where there was a blanket of snow. And we laid down beside each other. <laughs> up. I don't want to mess up my angel. <laughs> see, when people see that living for God is a joy, it causes them to discern something that if it makes them that happy, maybe it could make me that happy too. That if living for God, because people aren't going to hear what you say they're going to see the way you're saying it. Amen. You can be, I could be, I could talk to my wife in the morning. I'm not, this is pretend, okay? So I could get up in the morning and I'd say, hey, baby, get up and make me some breakfast. Did you hear what she said? I'm just pretending. And she's already saying, I don't think so. <laughs> or I could say, hey, baby, darling sugar pie. How about some breakfast? You want me to make it? No, no, I'll get it. Great. It worked. <laughs> okay, okay. Learn how to enjoy your journey. I'm going to end with this. You, you've got to, several years ago, uh, we were preaching a meeting in Plainview, Arkansas. We decided to go for a Jeep ride. The people we were staying with had a Jeep. We decided to go for a Jeep ride through the mountains of Arkansas. And somebody had this bright idea about taking the top off. We will not mention any names, but she's sitting on the front row. <laughs> and so we took the top off, you know, and everything was good. We're, you know, driving, wind blowing through our hair. Well, her hair just blowing past my head. And we're driving around and, and you know, have, woo, so much fun. We get up on top of that mountain and all of a sudden clouds start to roll in. Her hair starts standing straight up like this. It goes up. And I'm thinking, what's going on? The people we're with and his wife's hair does this. And he goes, Get in the Jeep quick. Lightning's getting ready to strike. <laughs> St 
ecstatic, was up on that mountain and was getting ready to, I, their heads were lightning rods. I didn't want to be standing beside her. <laughs> we, we jump in the Jeep, we jump in the Jeep, take off down that mountain, man. <laughs> we outran that lightning. Started pouring down rain. I'm not talking about drizzle. I'm talking about the kind of rain where people have pulled off the road because they cannot see, and we got no hood on. She and the other guy's wife are back there with a blanket over their head that is soaking wet. It's like they just dipped it in the bathtub, put it over their head. I am up on the front. You know how Jeeps are. I'm to the front, I got that handbar, I got my face like this up against the window, trying to keep rain. I'm trying to get as close to the windshield as I can because rain is, man, just soaking us. We're driving through there and people, <laughs> people are driving by, people are on the side of the road pulled off and when we go by, they go. <laughs> and we're there having the time of our life laughing our heads off. I get back to their house, and when I get back to their house, I'm thinking, man, I am soaking wet. I've got to preach tonight. I am soaking wet, and God is my witness. When I got out of that Jeep and I started to walk toward that house, I heard God speak to me, and he said, there's a child in your midst. There's a child in you, and I want you to let that child live. We go through life and never enjoy our walk with God because we forget that we're supposed to enjoy the journey. I don't know who told you that you were supposed to eat raw persimmons and act like you lost your best friend, but that, my friend, is alive from the pit of hell. Paul said this is joy unspeakable and full of glory. He talked about that the suffering we go through isn't even worthy to be compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. It's time to let the child live. So would you stand with me? Here's my question for you today. Do you want God to speak to you? Do you want to hear from God? Do you, do you want... Now... I'm telling you, there is an audible voice of God. But there's also an inaudible voice that can speak to you just as loud. That night I was driving home, it was an audible voice I heard, and it saved my life. When I got out of that Jeep and was on my way into the house, it was an inaudible voice I heard, and it saved someone else's life. What do you mean? So I ended up preaching that message that night, and I watched the altars fill up as people began to discover the child that was in their midst. People that had lost their joy began to get their joy restored. I don't know where this ideology comes from that if you're going to live for God, you have to be rigid. No. You need to enjoy your journey. Did you know that God laughs? It's in Scripture. Zephaniah. And he joys over us with singing. That word in Hebrew means he laughs. He's laughing, not at us. He's laughing with us. But you don't understand what I'm going through. He does, and he's laughing. You mean to tell me he laughs when I'm, in, when, when I'm going through tough stuff? He's laughing? 
he's not laughing at you. Let me put it in perspective for you. A little girl's Barbie doll's head has come off. She runs into the living room screaming, Daddy, Barbie's dead. Barbie's dead, dead, oh, dead, Barbie's gone. And dad begins to laugh as he takes the pieces away from her. He's not laughing at her pain. He's laughing because he knows that her pain isn't necessary. Because what he's getting ready to do is going to fill her with so much joy, she's going to forget all about that pain she went through. Oh, you, I hope you hear what I'm saying today. In that moment that my feet step on the streets of that city, in the moment that my eyes glimpse His glory, I'm going to forget about every heartache and heartbreak and every tear I ever cried as I enter in to the joy of his presence. God loves us so much, he wants to give some of us that here, right now. He wants you to experience it for yourself. How many of you have ever noticed that you tend to look at the negative instead of the positive? You, you don't see how that the glass is half full, you see it as half empty. You see what you don't have instead of what you do have. I'm telling you, it's the devil's business to try and make you focus on everything except him. Because the devil knows in the moment you begin to focus on him, the child in your heart is getting ready to live. What do you say that we let the child in the midst of us come alive today. Is that all right? So this is what I wanna ask you to do. Everyone in this house today, I want to end like this today. If you're in this house today, you know, let me just share this with you. Because sometimes people say, well, you know, you got, give me something, give me something. Come here a minute, Ray. Come here. So we're waiting for somebody to, you know, grab us and, oh, praise God. And that happens. But do you understand that when you get to that place that you need to be with God, you're not going to be looking for someone else to get you excited. You're going to wake up excited every morning. <laughs> David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I used to have people tell me, you just get too excited. Uh, my standard reply for that was, well, I'd rather calm down a wild man than try and raise the dead. <laughs> what are you saying? Let the child in you live. Not childishness, but the child. The child that can see a butterfly and be mesmerized. A child that can watch an ant carrying a leaf 10 times bigger than he is and follow it in awe and wonder. A child that can look up at the sky at night and see the dipper and begin to see it all twinkling and look up and say, I know you're up there and you're awesome. Show me your glory. And the stars begin to twinkle. And you're positive you've just seen the glory of God.
Are you ready? So today we're going to learn to discern the child that's in our heart. I want you to come and stand with me right now. Very quickly, come and stand with me. You know, child-like sees everything through wonder and they're, they're amazed. Childish, and excuse me just a second, childish is like, nah, 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 nah. you know what I'm talking about? So we need to get rid of that childish part of us. Because how many of you have ever, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have ever been tempted to cut loose on one of those? I'm telling you that God wants to do something for us today that will catapult us into His presence and into His purpose. Right now we have a granddaughter, Vivian is getting her teeth in. Thank God, she's 16 months old and she just now started breaking teeth in. We thought she was gonna to have to gum everything forever. No, Debbie was late getting teeth. Child, now how many of you have seen an adult with teeth and what? <laughs> You got your teeth. I mean, not unless they've been walking around like that. But I promise you, my wife, not only was she excited about Vivian's teeth, tooth. No, she got teeth now. She got some coming in back here. She called me up and said, I'm going to FaceTime you. Can you see her teeth? <laughs> Honey, you can't put the phone in her mouth. No, I'm kidding. She wasn't touching. It's just, there's something about a child that, that brings it out of us. You, I, I'm going to share this, and I promise I'm gonna, we're going to pray together. But I, I want you to get this. The, sometimes we're just too old. Turn around. Look, let me just ask you a question. Don't, don't do this. But how many of it makes you feel wonderful when somebody looks at you and go, wow, you're really old. You know, little child, you're really old. Oh, bless your heart. We don't, we don't, we don't want that. But sometimes our thinking gets that way. Our spirit gets that way. And a child will bring out the child in you. We're on vacation in a restaurant. Phone rings. It's our little boy, Landon. Oh, this, he, he was three months old. Debbie says, I'm going to call and talk to Landon. I literally said, he's three months old. What are you going to say to him? He's three months old. I found out what she's going to say to him. Got on the phone. It's that Nana's baby. It's that Nana's little baby. Oh, Nana loves her baby. <laughs> We're in a restaurant filled with people. Everybody's looking at her. And I'm going, Debbie, we are in a restaurant. You know, and I'm thinking, would you know? And oh, Nana loves her. Here's Papa. Hands me the phone, and I'm thinking, well, somebody's got to be the grown-up around here. And I got on the phone, and I said, here's that Pawpaw's little boy. Here's that Pawpaw's little man. Because you don't care. Let me ask you a question. Why is it we come to church, sit on pews, and try and act proper and dignified and petrified, and we'll go into a ball game and scream from the top of our lungs? You've got to let the kid inside of you live and say, I love him, and I don't care who knows. I don't care where I'm at. I'm going to worship God. Is that all right? I said, is that all right? Well, then let me hear you worship God for a second. Come here. Come here. Where's the third one? Come here. 
don't take offense to what I'm going to say. Three little pigs. One. Now, can I share something with you? It, it takes some courage for a lady to wear a pig. Am I telling the truth, women? Am I telling the truth? You know, guys could put that on and... What's the pig about? That's what I eat. But for these women, and then when they, when they shared, I was trying to get Debbie's attention this morning when they, she brought them up because when she, did, when she said what this represented, what, tell me again. When you feel Christ, you can't hold it in, so you've got to, on three. One. Now, look, I'm getting ready to get the child in you out. Because here's what happens. We go into places like that and we're, praise God. I'm Reverend Rick McNeely. Somebody called me Reverend McNeely the other day. Called me up. I was talking to him on the phone. They, called, they said, is this Pastor McNeely? I said, my name is Rick. We call Paul, Paul. I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle anything, but I'm just, I am, I, I'm not into all this title jazz. I just want people to know that the God I serve is real and he's real in my heart and he's real in my life. And no, I don't know how to walk on water, but I know the one that does. <laughs> Are you ready? So let it out. I want you to get ready. Get ready to let it out. Come on here, piggy, piggy, piggy. Are you ready? Are you ready? On three, on three. One, two, three. We're going to walk out of here. Oh, hold on just a second. Hold on a second. Thank you. I want, I want them to hear what I'm going to say. It's really important. <laughs> if you're going to enjoy your journey, it's got to start now. Right here, right now. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to get somebody by the hand. I don't care who it is. It can be someone you know, someone you don't know. You can get two hands. Are you ready? Get two hands. You ever, come here a minute, babe. I, uh, James, let me borrow you just a second. Get in between us. Here, no, come up this way. We're gonna go this way. Take him on the other side. We used to, how many remember when you used to walk your kids? And you go, you'd be walking your kid, and then you go, you go, are you ready? You go, you go, yeah. You go, are you ready? One, two, three. And then they would go, do it again, do it again. Why is it that when it comes to living for God, we get in this I'm telling you, it's time for you to let the child live inside. Let your heart resound with joy. Look, let me, let me share this with you. Whatever you're going through right now isn't going to last forever. So don't let it have your joy. Don't, there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is based on happenings. But joy comes from way down deep inside of you. So you can have joy even when the circumstances that surround you are not happy circumstances. Everybody say joy. joy. 
I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy, isn't that a song? When I think about how he set me free. I get joy when I think about, I don't know the rest of the words, but I still got joy. Are you ready? So on three, we're going to have some joy in here. You're going to turn around. Before we get to three, before I start counting, I want you to turn around and look at your neighbor and say, are you ready? Is the child, in, look at him and say, is the child in you alive? Wake it up. Somebody said, no, wake it up. Oh, you got it. Oh, okay. All right. Here you go. You ready? We have to leap for joy. If you're not physically able to leap, grab somebody beside you and just do like that. Just help them get up. Are you ready? Are you ready? We used to do a song. The, well, forget it. I'm not going to sing. All right. You ready? On three, we're going to leap for it. One, two, three. Come on. Let me hear it. Oh, come on, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. We're, I, I promise, I prom, I'm going to let you go. I promise. But some of you only had one leap in you. Just kind of like. If you can't, look, I understand if you can't physically do it. If you can't physically get both feet up, just do this. Or do this. Just what I'm trying to get you to do is loosen up and know that God wants you to enjoy your journey. Are you ready? One more time. On three. One, two, three. Woo! Come on, sing it with me. You hold my head up. You remind me who Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yeah. You hold my head up. I'm alive in you again. Today, when you walk out of here, you're going to let that child live. You're going to let that child sing. You're going to take that child on a walk at night and marvel at the moon and the stars. You're going to take that child on a walk during the day, and you're going to take time to notice butterflies and notice the birds and raise your hands and thank God for all he's done in your life. Let's raise our hands together. Father, I thank you for what you've done and for what you're doing. God, that you've made us the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You've blessed us going in and coming out. And most importantly, you've caused the child to come alive in us today. And we give you a hand clap of praise for it in Jesus' name. God bless you.
your burdens at the altar. Cast all your cares upon the Lord. There's just no reason for a heavy heart. No need to worry anymore. Join in the time of celebration. Offer your heart to Him alone. Worship His everlasting majesty. With angels and saints around the throne. 